Today on In Her Words, we're sitting down with Candace Wilson-Cherry. Candace is an executive vice president and producer and head of film for Heartbeat, which is Kevin Hart's production company. She tells us about her lifestyle job. I love that term. She looks at everything she sees as inspiration and possibility for the next project. We think you're really going to love her and learn something today. Hi, Candace. Hi, Gretchen. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Oh, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thank you. Good. I'm sorry. It took me a couple of minutes. We are um, having the worst storm. So oh, if you see me jump out of my seat and you can't hear the thunder, that's why. <laughs> where Where are you based? I'm well. We're uh, women in entertainment is based in New York, but I'm in Kansas City right now. Oh. So we are having a uh, a very typical summer uh, storm, like moving across the plains. I think, oh, but my it's. God. It was like a half an hour before our podcast starts. It is stormy. I had to put my dogs away. I was like, oh, oh my God, no. it's going to be so loud when I'm talking to Candace. That's so tough. I have three dogs also, so I, I get it. They did not love our – we had a, a very um, unusual winter with yes. a lot of rain out here and storms, and they didn't love it. Are you in L.A.? I'm in L.A., but I'm actually a New York, New Jersey native, so I, I know oh. that the East Coast summer storms very well. And I'm sure Midwest uh. is just the same. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, with every, uh, I don't know, every day, I feel like it's a, it's another area. So yeah, if you see me jump out of my chair, that's why. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us today. We are very excited to talk to you. And, you know, there's so much going on in, in, in your, uh, in the industry and so much going on with Heartbeat, but thanks for taking the time out to, to be with us. It's, it's, it's a pleasure to meet you. Oh, likewise, likewise. We, um, one of the things we're trying to do with our podcast is bring in, um, you know, bring in executives, bring, we, we like to have a lot of, um, you know, women in front of the camera, women behind the camera, women behind the desk, we like to say, mm -hmm. but um, just to really share stories of how you got to where you are. And we, mm -hmm. I haven't met anyone yet who uh, is on that linear path that didn't, uh, you know, didn't get ping ponged off and, and do something yes. unexpected. So, uh, yeah. but what I'd, I'd like to start with is just how, how you got to where you are today. Did you, did you know you wanted to be in entertainment? Did you know yeah. films were your passion? And, and uh, after we hear your story, we have to hear just how in the world you got connected with Kevin Hart. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I'm, I'm excited to tell this story because I think to your point, it's so important um, for women to hear these stories. And I also have a very untraditional like my, my journey to where I am today, uh, the trajectory was very untraditional. Um, I grew up in New Jersey, born in New York, raised in New Jersey, I had no one in my family that worked in entertainment. But from a really young age, I always loved storytelling. I liked, you know, I liked watching movies. I loved movies. I loved music. I loved um, reading books. I was just into story in all mm -hmm. forms. Um, started writing my own little stories and songs at a really young age and really always looked for opportunities, um, whether it's in school or locally, anything I could do to create. I was always trying to get my friends to help me like create things. Like, so, so at a really young age, I actually started as a songwriter. Oh, um, I actually started as a songwriter, but I also always had aspirations to be a producer. Although in hindsight, I don't think I even fully understood what it meant to be a right. producer. Right. Like, how did you know what a producer was? <laughs> I must have, I was, I was, I've always been into history and I've always okay. been into studying the stories of other women mm -hmm. um, that I respected. Or if I was going through a magazine and I would read about, let's, let's say I was reading something about Mariah Carey. Cause I just think about this is how I discovered Minnie Ripperton, the singer songwriter. Mm -hmm. And I remember her saying that that was like her childhood, like, you know, icon hero. And I went and researched her and I asked my mom to help me buy the records and all that sort of stuff. So I would go and then I'd want to know where they went to school and where they studied music and all that sort of stuff. So I've always been into studying the trajectory of other women I've always, that I've respected. 
um, that I aspire to be like or glean something from. I've always loved that. Um, so I went to Temple University. I'm a Temple University in Philadelphia alumni. I majored in film journalism and their media program. They had a program that sort of covered the gamut. It, it was film, TV, a little bit of drama. So it allowed you to sort of touch on a bunch of different things and discover, you know, which passion you had, you know, more of an affinity for. Um, so in that process, I learned about film. And I, that was like my first introduction to really getting into film helping to work on friends' short films, um, learning about permit process and things like that. <laughs> you know, this is the side of it that people don't realize what goes into it. Were I you always very organized? You sound like you were very organized. And it's that funny. I think I was, so kind of like what I touched on before, music was always my focus. Like I always thought that I would go into music first. Um, hopefully I would have success as a songwriter, but I was always a little aware that I was way more organized than a lot of my peers. Like I, I felt like there was a little bit more of like a corporate side to me. When I say corporate, not necessarily like had to be in a studio sense, but I felt like I was always into like the organizing of it. Mm -hmm. I had started like a publishing company really young and, and was constantly researching like what it meant to have a publishing company and all that sort of stuff. So always very entrepreneurial. I come from a very entrepreneurial family. Mm -hmm. um, my mom is an immigrant from Jamaica and just like super hardworking, had her own businesses. My dad also had an incredible business. So I had that entrepreneurial spirit from a young age and, and they always incorporated us in that process. So we knew what it meant to like have to figure things out, have to, you know, the, what, what it goes into being an entrepreneur, which is a, a seven day a week business right right you know in some capacity even if it's a day off it's not really a day off when you own your own business um so indirectly music is what brought me to los angeles after i graduated from college i started teaming up with songwriters um in the new york area established producers who really kind of helped me cut my teeth and understood what it took to be a professional songwriter. And I'm like, because there's a difference between loving music and writing a song. Right, and right. Understanding like the, the technique of actually um, getting a song for a placement, what, what placements were, what that meant. Mm -hmm. um, and and in the, at that same time, I was always collaborating with other creatives. So while in New York City, I had friends working on films. I had friends that were directors on music videos. And sometimes I was the assistant to the director. Sometimes you're the gaffer. Sometimes when you're working on an indie budget or you're working right, on a small right. budget, you really learn the ins and outs of all the different departments, what they do, um, how they do it, which is so important as a producer. You know, um, every aspect, yeah. It's so important. Yeah, I can't believe how many times it's come up as we've started the podcast and talking to creatives and executives. Music videos. Music yes. videos come up all the time of people, yes. you know, getting their stars. And I, one, and it hasn't aired yet, but it's uh, Nazinga Stewart, who is just fantastic. I love her. And, yeah. So she was talking about videos that were kind of like music videos that were kind of like under the radar, cash only. <laughs> but yeah. music videos come up a lot. And it's such a great way, I feel, for, for filmmakers to, you know, stretch their creativity. Yeah. yeah. Oftentimes they're able to, you know, a lot of times you're working with a smaller budget and you right. still have deadlines and you still have to deliver a great product within a certain time frame, within budget. It's a great mm -hmm. sort of learning mm -hmm. mechanism. But um, so working in New York, working at the same time on film, started working on commercials and things like that. Um, songwriting is what brought me to Los Angeles. I came out here to write and team up. And indirectly, that's how I ended up meeting uh, Jeff Clanagan, who's one of Kevin Hart's business partners, mm -hmm. and he's the founder of um, Code Black. Now he's at Heartbeat, but this mm -hmm. was like this was probably around like 2011. And at that time, he was with Universal Vivendi and was moving over to Lionsgate. Okay, and, I, okay. and I came on board, and they were looking for someone to be an assistant and help with the tours, the comedy tours, um, Shaq's All Star Comedy Jam. And it, there were a lot of similarities I found between comedy live shows and music live shows. So it wasn't really foreign to me. Um, and I was looking for, I was just looking for a way to, to kind of stretch a little bit. I was a little frustrated with the music industry, mm -hmm. which anyone who's been in the music industry could understand <laughs> the 
frustrations that come along with being in the music industry. And I was looking to try something different. And I knew that I had this love of film and story. And this was a great opportunity. And I don't think at the time I fully even understood how far it would take me, but I just really enjoyed it. And I think right, it's so right. important to love what you do. Um, because at a certain point, like this becomes, it's, these are, I call these lifestyle jobs. It goes back to That's the a great term, a great term. <laughs> it goes back to the entrepreneur piece yeah, where yeah. They, they are seven day a week jobs. Like when you're not in the office, you might be reading, you might be watching a play that might inspire something, right? Right. You might be reading an article and then now you're on a hunt to get the rights to the article. So you have to really have a passion for it and a love for it that's able to withstand sort of the turbulence that comes along with, you know, the challenges of the industry because it can be very fickle. Mm-hmm. Whether mm-hmm. you're in film, whether you're in music, whether you're in TV, it could be, it has, everything comes with its own challenges. But, um, but that love, I hope, I think helps you endure it and really enjoy it and evolve because you have to be able to evolve with the business as well as, as technology evolves, as creativity evolves, mm-hmm. as um, trends evolve and technology, you know, just people's desires for what they want to see changes and shifts. Right, right. Um, so I started working at Lionsgate. I was there for about seven years, started as an assistant. When, so I always like to say I was an outdoor cat. Like you have indoor cats and you have outdoor cats, right? <laughs> when you come from the indie space and you're more like the physical production space or songwriting, that whole thing, you're you're a little bit, I think, more scrappy in some ways because you learn right, to like right. to make things with what you have and be very resourceful, uh, really lean on your relationships and and understand the value of great relationships. Um, and, and how that helps helps you, helps them, helps your network to build and grow. And um, But when I went to Lionsgate, I realized there were certain areas, even with my college degree, I graduated with honors the whole bit, but I still had, like, I had blind spots because I didn't come from the traditional, you know, some people, they, they do the internships for at film studios, at TV mm-hmm. production companies. So they are just a little bit more knowledgeable in certain areas. So I had blind spots making an, an essentially an industry shift coming from music and thinking my sights were here. Now I was there. And I didn't like that. I didn't like fe- feeling like I didn't know certain right, things. Right. Knew. So I really kind of buckled down. And, you know, that for me, what that meant was I was at the office by like 630 in the morning and I would bring my breakfast and I would be reading the trades every day. I wanted to know who, what, where, what studios, right. mm-hmm. what acquisitions, what does it mean to acquire? Like, I just wanted to learn everything I possibly could so that when I was in a meeting or having conversations, I was able to be a contributor, not only keep up, but be a contributor to those conversations in a meaningful way. Um, it's important for everyone, but I think it's especially important for a young woman to make sure you're really equipping yourself with that same knowledge, like we were saying before, understanding all the areas, even if right, it's, you don't right. have to be an expert in everything, but you have to know, you want to have a, um, a knowledge base of what everyone does. Like you don't want to be in the silo. And I think it also helps you to endure once again, when there are shifts in the industry, being able to, move, able around. to move around and yeah. pivot and those things. Um, so while at Lionsgate, I basically went from an assistant to a vice president over the course of the time I was there. Mm-hmm. I worked in acquisitions and development mm-hmm. on the future side, but I did touch TV. I did touch TV. Um, and I just, I absolutely loved it. I, I even credit acquisitions, which I think doesn't get enough credit. I don't think a lot of people fully understand fully what acquisitions are if you're not in the business. Right, right. Um, but for anyone watching that may not know what acquisitions is, it's basically you're the buyer, you go to the festivals, the market, um, you also, you know, you have a a great network of uh, creatives and filmmakers who, who potentially will bring you projects or you'll go to them to pre-buy projects, um, films and so forth. Um, sometimes you work with development to acquire rights to things to bring in at different stages. So it may be in the post stage and you might be able to bring it in early and get your team an opportunity to take a look at it. And, and then other, like I said, you go to the markets and the, the festivals to buy the films that are already completed. So those mm-hmm. may be that were independently financed 
independently produced that are now looking for a home. So you go there, you license the film, you bring it back, and then you figure out the distribution plan, whether it be theatrical, streaming, what have you. And, um, and I think you need to add in there, you have to have really good taste to be in acquisitions and, and not so much in just what you like, but being able to watch something and know who its audience may be, because you're looking at it as how would a fan, you know, how would the public, yes. how would a fan appreciate this? How does it affect my business? So yeah. acquisitions is, it is a very, um, it's a special skill to be to be good at acquisitions. It is, and it's such an interesting area. I feel like mm -hmm. a lot of people aren't really aware of acquisitions, or I think the, the, when, like for instance, when we have interns come in, the sexier, cooler thing is everyone wants to be in production. Right. Everyone wants right. to be in development. <laughs> but, but really, I credit acquisitions to making me a better producer and a better film executive because uh -huh. ultimately I walk into, when I when I get a script, when um, the team is looking at something for consideration, my thought is always, A, with acquisitions also, you're very aware of the business of it, the business right. model, that's a big part of it. You have your, your models ran, you're looking at territories, how it will perform in, in the US, how it will perform internationally. So to your point, it's, it's you're, you have to really understand not only your demo that you're that you're servicing with your division and your company, but you have to also think about what's the potential longevity of this, right. potential reach of this internationally. And as a film exec now, that's not in acquisitions, like specifically, um, and also as a producer, I often think if you wouldn't buy it, should you make it? Interesting. Interesting. You know? well, also, I would think, and you know, for acquisitions are, you really have to have both because acquisitions can happen faster, can yes. get can get out faster. While, like you said, everyone loves producing and developing. That can take years yes. for projects mm -hmm. to keep going. And how you fill in those acquisitions to, you know, to keep your slate full. That's a yes. real again how they how they all mesh together. Absolutely, absolutely. So I. Acquisitions to me has been such a useful tool. Mm -hmm. um, and I often think like if you kind of, you kind of back into projects, like you think about when it can come out and how right. it, all that sort of stuff. So um, yeah, so I did that for six and a half years. Um, and then also I just want to kind of throw in there because I'm always a proponent for continued education. Mm -hmm. Also when realizing I had some blind spots, I went back to school. I took courses at UCLA at night while working full-time to learn more about legal contracts, mm -hmm. financing films, uh, you know, film financing. I took screenwriting courses. I had no aspirations of being a screenwriter, but for me, I wanted to understand. So if I'm giving notes to one of my writers, they're not like, oh, here they come again. Here come the suits. Right. <laughs> right, the suits. Like, so here come the suits. I'm like, I'm a suit. Once again, I'm an outdoor cat. Because I'm on the inside. I'm like, oh, no, I'm a suit now. <laughs> You're an entrepreneur at heart. I mean, you could be the textbook def definition of an entrepreneur. And you kept that. But you kept that entrepreneurial spirit. I mean, as you were working for a company, I mean, it's it doesn't ever go away because that what you're describing, you know, is is what entrepreneurs do day in and day out. Like you said, never, you know, seven days a week learning and filling yes. in the gaps. But it goes back to like, I really love it. Like I, I respect artists. I feel like I respect artistry. I think if you hire a writer to come in and write as the executive working with that writer, it's not my job to tell a professional writer how to write. You have to give people space to right. spread their creative wings. Like you're, you're, you've hired them because you trust their ability and it's your job as their executive or their producer on the project to be knowledgeable enough on how to give proper notes, mm -hmm. challenge a thought, or mm -hmm. hopefully spark an idea that will make the project better without getting in the way. Because sometimes executives can get in the way and producers oh, yeah. can get in the way. And then you have a Frankenstein project because they're trying to please you to get it done, or they're just frustrated and it goes haywire. So that's something that's always been, um, I think in respecting the art, loving the art, you have to understand how to best move a project forward 
and not block it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think that's important mm -hmm. to know. A great, yeah, a very delicate balance. <laughs> yeah, it really is. It really is. And knowing when you're kind of treading the, the line of, you know, hampering the process. You yeah. have to know when to kind of like give that space as well. How did you move from Lionsgate? Did you move, was Lionsgate right before Heartbeat? So at the same time, there's a bit of a parallel story happening at the same time here. So I met Jeff, as I mentioned, Jeff Planning mm -hmm. in 2011, who was one of Kevin's business partners. And um, so through that relationship, Jeff has been an incredible mentor and boss to me throughout the years, just always very encouraging of growth and just very knowledgeable. He's someone that if you seek the knowledge, he is excited to share the knowledge. Like he just loves seeing people excited about, you know, the different areas. Um, through that relationship, though, I was able to work. I started working with Kevin probably around 2011, 2012 in different capacities, sometimes associate producing on live shows and things mm -hmm. like that. So I was working mainly with him on live shows at that time. So um, his big his big arena tours and things mm -hmm. like that started as a PA production assistant. Um at one point was an associate producer and then eventually moved up to producer and have worked with him in, in that capacity for a long time. So I think through that process, the trust is built and him like really feeling comfortable like with my work ethic and all those mm -hmm. sort of things. Um, but he's just been fantastic. It's a great, great team collectively. Mm -hmm. I go back to what we were saying. I, I think at this stage, for me, loving what you do and loving who you do it with is very important. Um, it just makes the work fun because work's going to be work at some point. Like even right, right. Love it. I don't care if you're the most amazing chef. Well, chef being a chef is actually very hard work, but <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's everything. Yeah. If you, even if you love it and if you love it, you want it to be more successful. So you, you know, work even harder. Yeah. yeah. You want to work with people that have that same sort of work ethic. And he absolutely does. And the whole mm -hmm. team really has that work ethic. Like you work with people that, you know, love what they do they're not satisfied with just like mediocre they want to mm -hmm. create and expand so after Lionsgate I consulted a bit did a little bit of freelancing and for me it was really important after so many years in development to get my hands dirty I wanted to do physical production like I okay. really I really wanted to work in a space that I would see um faster turnaround Mm -hmm. um, I was very frustrated leaving the studio life, just seeing projects that had been in develop for a really long time. And, and by the way, that's totally normal, right, but I just, right. I was very eager to, I think prove to myself that I could lead productions and, and lead physical productions and help to build teams and work with other people that wanted to get things done. And around that time, LOL, um, we were, they were moving into 30 minute formats. Mm -hmm. So going from more short form into 30 minute formats, hour long formats. And that's when we started working on um, Die Heart. So I came on board when Die Heart was in the works with Quibi. And it was just such an incredible, an incredible process. Just a really fun group. Um, Kevin was just amazing. And just he gives everything a thousand percent. Mm -hmm. And the whole team did as well. And yeah, we produced that one, developed it, produced it. Um, for Quibi, who was also a great partner to us. Those executives are still in our orbit. They're all in different right, places, right. great things. Um, and that was just such a fun project. And it's been, it's, it's really nice when you have fun doing something, but then you see that people are receiving it and it's resonating. Um, and now it's on to its second one and it's just doing great. So, so came on board freelance initially um, then started heading up their production and development where we did Olympic highlights. Right. Oh my um, God. Which is so freaking funny. Yeah, it is. It. It's so good. When I was doing the work and I was like, Oh my God, we have to talk about Olympic highlights. <laughs> oh, please. Like whatever you want to talk about. I, you know, that was again. So as a producer, as an executive, what a great opportunity for our company also to stretch yeah. our wings. Like that was a space. So one thing that's really great is, you know, um, Heartbeat and before it was like, you know, that was, that was, that was a Heartbeat production. I'm trying to think if that was before the merger or after the merger, but um, we've been doing sports comedy mm -hmm. sort of mm -hmm. usual projects for a long time. And we've had a lot of success in that space. 
and we've built sort of an audience in that area. So this was a really organic sort of transition into like the Olympic highlights because we have um, coldest balls. I don't know if you're familiar with yes. that. As well. Yes, which is I have three teenage sons. We're uh, <laughs> we're in all of it. Have <laughs> you watched the show? Yes, it's been great. It's like what a great opportunity to have these these like very candid conversations. <laughs> They're lighthearted, but they yeah. also with people like all these amazing athletes um that audiences love so so sports and comedy has already been part of the dna of the company so it was a really organic sort of transition but what an awesome opportunity to be and for the company to be entrusted with the olympics and and to do something like fun like this and and they were peacock were great partners to us in that process um and we were working like on a bit of a a live schedule like yeah. the so the Olympics, like, so the event would shoot like the day before would take place the day before. And really within 24 hours, we were featuring that segment and turning it around like within a day. So that was a, that was a bit of a new experience because we were also mm -hmm. dealing with time difference, Yeah, um, absolutely. but just so much fun and the collaboration. It, will it continue with the next round of Olympics? Can you share that? Um, we hope so. Who knows? Yeah. We'll see. I guess, you know, you never know. That's never so, know. no, it is funny. It sounds, one thing that's coming up uh, or that I'm hearing with meeting you and hearing your story and, and what I, I mean, what I know of Kevin Hart obviously is public, but he's one of the few, you know, huge, huge, huge stars that has such a respected business side where he is, you know, because there's so many creatives and so many, you know, public facing actors, act, you know, that that don't that don't they don't want the business side. They don't have that skill. And he is I mean, he's so known for that. And it sounds like he, you you do, too. You have such a creative side, which is where you started with your music. But your business side is as equally as strong. And that's not that's not common. Is that yeah. do you think that's what, you know, almost like he, he seeks that out or, and, and, and Jeff as well, like that, mm -hmm. that he needs people around him. The company needs people that, that really do have those, both of those sides working for them. It sounds yeah. like that's something you have in common. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that, you know, that's definitely the spirit of the company, mm -hmm. um, which I'm sure is no accident. You know, I think that like when you have, it, it, I think in any position, any company you're in, when you're working and your CEO or your chairman or your the heads of the company, essentially, when you see that they're working just as hard as you're working, I think that that's really aspirational to the team. It helps people to roll up their sleeves. And that's what we have here. Like it's something where I'll never forget, like working on a production and it was just really hot outside. And he was just like, he was just getting it. Like he just no complaints, get the job done. Still so fun still just really just kind to everyone speaks to everyone i think that that essence is what it's all about i think it's super important from the leadership of a company to possess that as well and that is the environment and the climate and it makes right. all the difference in the world i think that it, it it encourages a spirit of growth creativity all of those things when you feel like everyone is doing the work and it's not right, just right. and it's not just like the supporting team like everyone has that same common goal to be better than to create something better than before to improve upon um and i think even things like women right now which is our program that we right create, i wanted to ask you about that yeah. yeah that's something that he's been very very supportive but i think that's a perfect example of you know when we look at expanding on something mm -hmm standing on a vision and a common goal. Uh, Ty Randolph, who is our CEO, we worked really closely to launch this program. And early on when I first came on board, like we had a lot of conversations about, you know, looking for female showrunners. Mm -hmm. And it was so challenging. And the thing is, the, the, that's not to say that they're not there. Um, but then well, I started, tell, tell me what was challenging? Was it that they, that they weren't there or that they weren't, they, there wasn't enough. There is still, there's a lot of improvements, mm -hmm. but there's still a long way to go in terms of finding 
women behind the scenes, whether running showrooms, whether show running. Um, and then I think when you add any additional hyphen to it, right. um, like a black female showrunner, black lead writers, any sort of hyphen you add, you'll find less and less and less and less and less and less. And then when you have those conversations with the writers and other creatives, oftentimes people have been frustrated with the, the, the lack of a pipeline to get in those positions. So it's a bit of like a chicken and the egg, right? Yeah. It's like you need the experience yeah. to get the position, mm -hmm. but you, you know what I mean? But you can't get in the position if you don't have the experience. Right, right, yep. So that's what sort of, that's what launched the idea about what if we created something that created a couple of different segments to it. There's the mentorship aspect of it, which now provides mentorship from women in various areas of the business. Um, we have mentorship. There's like um, a speaker sort of series at the mm -hmm. beginning of the program before we get into like the production aspect of it. And the writers get to speak to uh, development executives, acquisition executives, agents, managers, marketing executives. Obviously, they're not trying to become marketing execs, but it's like if you don't understand sometimes when you're starting out, you don't have the full visibility of the pie right. and you don't often understand where you fit into this. So there's a lot of mystery, I think, when you're new in the business, regardless of if, if you're trying to be a, a writer, a director, even an actress. I think sometimes you can be so focused and you have the blinders on for what you do. You don't fully understand where you're fitting into things. Right, right. And that also makes rejection a lot harder because if you don't, if they don't pick you, if they don't pick your, your writing ability to write something, you can be internalizing it and thinking it's you. But sometimes there's, there's so many factors, as you know, like there's a million factors yeah, that go into everything. Yeah. You don't know. So the idea with the mentorship program was to both take away the mystery of the process a bit to hopefully allow people to gather their own way. Cause sometimes the nerves can eat you up. Um, we go through a whole pitching thing to like, to kind of break down what it means to pitch. How should you present yourself when you're pitching? That's a big thing. People don't know how to pitch. And sometimes you don't get the job because of your pitch. Right. Right. <laughs> are you, is it, um, is the, are the candidates or the, the people that come in, are they usually very first time, you know, beginning writers? Or are you finding that there's, you know, even people have been trying for a while or women who've been yes. trying for a while? It's definitely a combination. It's definitely a combination. So when they join, generally they're non-union. They haven't, they haven't uh -huh. really, they haven't gotten like the big opportunity yet, okay. but Honestly, I found it's pretty 50-50. Like we'll have a good portion that are greener, like they maybe haven't done anything yet. But there are a large percentage, I would say, that have done other programs, um, maybe have entered competitions and, and had great feedback, but they just haven't been able to get their footing. Like they just can't figure out how to like get their foot over the hump. Right, right. And the goal in the program is to find fellows who are absolutely ready and prepared mm -hmm. and they want this like this is an opportunity they they want to become writers like this is the career path they have chosen and in this process we help them to workshop their scripts get their scripts production ready they're going to be getting notes from their their writing advisors their mentors then they eventually get notes from myself and other members of the team so they're getting like actual like studio notes essentially which is not always easy for yeah. a writer period, let alone a new right. writer. But we have those conversations too about understanding sometimes not just the note, but sometimes the note beneath the note to understand sort of like what, to kind of remove the emotional. Okay, yeah. Even from songwriting, I understand how hard that yeah. can be. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes like, oh, it's personal. <laughs> oh, I wrote this about the time that I had. <laughs> And, and, and it's very, you know, but it's not that. Sometimes it's just, okay, you know, oftentimes they'll get the note from me, hey, we have to use it or lose it, right? Especially because we're doing a short film. Right, And you're right. conscious of budget. If you haven't done this before, you've never had to think about things like a budget. So ultimately our fellows walk away with their script being workshopped. They have a short film. Our last sessions have been distributed on Peacock. So they essentially they get right. distribution. We partner with Sundance on this. So they premiere at Sundance and Sundance has been an amazing partner in yeah. terms 
um, their, their shared resources, their shared knowledge, um, their contributions to talking to the fellows also. Like mm -hmm. this is like amazing stuff that growing up, I wish I would have had access to these sort of things. Yeah. And we hope that by providing this, we're putting women in position um, to build a career. Like so tell us so I can have it on the podcast. And I know we, we have, we do put uh, women right now information in our newsletter, but what's the cycle? So is the, what's the, what's the, the cycle of the year of normally of, of entering, of having it done because obviously, and, and does, is the expectation that you have something to go to Sundance within a year or, or is that, is, how's that cycle? Yeah. So the normal cycle of the women right now, so this, the next cycle, whenever we get back up and running, will be like a cycle three. Okay. Um, so we've we've completed two cycles, partnered with Sundance, and I would say it's about a year. So generally, okay. submissions open up around like May, June, in a normal year. Mm -hmm. And we, by like July, we generally sort of know like who our fellows will be. And that sort of starts like the mentorship part of the program while we're okay. going through. Um, going through all the submissions and I'm mean, sorry, going through um, the scripts, not submissions, going through the scripts, starting to fine tune that whole bit. And by August last year, we were in prep. Wow. That's really quick. Yeah. Anyone knows, you know, it's, that's really quick. Um, so it's very like truncated in terms of the process. And we mm -hmm. try to like really um, make it very tight. Um, and then by the fall we're filming and then we deliver before the end of the year. That's amazing. Wow. That is a fast, that's, it has it's to, fast. that's so fast, but it's so exciting for, for yeah. the, the, the submission. Wow. It is. Okay. But we'll make sure that's really, out there. Yeah. And one thing that's really great is that the, the, the fellows and the directors are working with seasoned crew. So they're working. So one thing that was really important to us also in this process was understanding that you're working with a lot of first time folks. And even though they may not be like legitimate first time, mm -hmm. it's still new. This is a new process. And even if they're not a first time writer, often they haven't had anything made and actually produced in something. So their first mm -hmm. time on set. And um, it was really important when putting together the crew that we found people, anyone who's contributing has to have the heart and sensibility of learning and sharing, mm -hmm. super important because you have to have patience and you have to have the spirit of like wanting to share your knowledge. And, and I only say that because not everyone has that. Right. <laughs> right. It shows up when you're under stress. <laughs> so, so it was really important for us that we found like people who understood the mission and believed in it and really were just all about it. And we've found that we've had everyone from amazing crew members. And these are crew members who have worked on our films and our TV shows and super seasoned, super capable. And just the way everyone sort of have, has wrapped their arms around the fellows in terms of like sharing information, sitting down, going through, you know, the our directors working with the writers um, to just sort of explain the process so that they feel like they're a part of the process and that they're not sort of on the outside watching, mm -hmm. they're not spectators. They've been able to come on board essentially as like creative producers and have some sort of say in their projects. Um, all that's crucial, like all that's crucial. And our last two sessions, the directors are actually actresses who have expressed oh. interest in directing. Interesting. And, yeah, so, they're, so they've expressed interest in directing and um, so they're essentially new directors as well. And that's also created a bit of a pipeline. So even though the program isn't for the directors, it's actually created a lot of opportunities for the directors who have, a lot of them have gone on to, to shadow and even direct their own projects since doing this program. Um, directors like Megan Good, Tika Sumter, Nicole Byer, Logan. That's amazing. Does, is the whole, um, are the whole, is the whole crew women? when the projects are chosen? Yeah, the whole crew is not women. Okay. Um, okay. You're not, the whole crew is not women, but but they all are for the cause. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, but yeah, the whole crew is not women. But I love it. You're fostering, it was starting out to foster new writers, but you're, like you're saying, now you're fostering someone who's wanting to direct and that yes. hasn't had that chance. So it's really like an, it's a real incubator. It's a real incubator program. And like, we're always thinking about ways to continue to sort of deepen the process, 
to make sure that people are walking away feeling like it's extremely fruitful. Hopefully right. it's like helping to like build their knowledge base and their tool, their tool belt in different ways. Um, you walk away with relationships. A lot of the fellows came into this not knowing other people in the business or not really mm-hmm. having mm-hmm. a network. You walk away with like knowing executives and agents at all the major agencies and production company executives like Ty's our CEO. I'm heading up film and they have a direct line to us to go through questions. Right. That's such a gift. Oh my it's, gosh. I, I really hope that it, it's something that, that, that they find to be really useful in their career because if you, it's, I think a big part of the challenge is the mystery, right? right. It's right. like, it's very scary walking into a room to pitch for the first time. I right. think when you're on the other side of the table as the executive or the producer, sometimes you can forget how intimidating that is. And hopefully this sort of like pulls that back. So they're able mm-hmm. to bring their full self and focus on the work and not the nerves of it all, you know, but well, that executive team. Yeah. Being so available. Um, another thing that, that yeah. is, that is coming up and, and feels, it feels like it's, I don't know if it's a trend, but when you're talking about Ty and you're talking about the team and I mean, there's a lot of women in, in executive and we, I was re we were, I was just doing some um, research on another project with Will Packer and his team and has so many women. And then we, we had an executive from Seth McFarland's team and they're all women is that these, these smart, creative men are surrounding themselves with smart, creative women. And it, do you feel like there's, um, that the needle's moving? That they're, you know, I mean, you're in your circle, which I assume, you yeah. know, you're, you're dealing with a lot of executives and a lot yeah. of interaction from different production teams. Are you seeing more women in the mix? Absolutely. Absolutely. I still think there's a far way to go. I think across the abroad, when yeah. I say across, in, in my circle, in my orbit, absolutely. I am very grateful. I get to work with some of the most brilliant minds in the business and they're women. And I think that it, it absolutely it should, it should have always been this way in my right, opinion right. Um, I think it's just kind of getting to where it needs to be yeah. I think that there's still a bit of a disparity I think there's still we, we still have a long way to go in terms of mm-hmm. industry wide mm-hmm. especially when you talk about um, decision making positions mm-hmm. green lighting ability mm-hmm. um, I think that's something that's fantastic about Heartbeat is and what's been really I think great for our fellows specifically for the program, it's like they're talking to women that are in green lighting positions. Like we can get the project made, we can produce mm-hmm. it, we can bring it through the pipeline. I think across the, the industry, we could probably see more women in those positions. I think that would be great to see, but it has to start somewhere. And I think we, right. it's there, right? Yeah, think- the, you know, the executive, the executive side of things seems to be. Now, when you guys, when you're, looking at projects that you're either producing projects or acquiring projects, do you, do you look at the teams that, that are the voices that have written it and the diversity of, of those voices, the diversity of the team, does that come into play when, when you guys are making decisions on projects? Um, I would say absolutely. I think ultimately you look at the whole package. Mm-hmm. Now I think it, the whole package as a whole, I think you first start with the content right? Because content is key. You want to make sure that the content production value is there. The story is compelling. Does it resonate with the audience? Does it mm-hmm. resonate with our audience? Um, who are the filmmakers? And the reason why it's important to, to just sort of know where it's generating from is you want to make sure it's authentic. Um, right. You want to make sure that it's coming from an authentic place and, and it's hitting the mark because they're not, they're not separate, right? It's mm-hmm. like you know, our audiences are smart. Our audience, we are, we are an audience. We are part of the audience as well, right? So we want to know that when we are consuming something, that it's authentic to whatever that story is, and having a creative team that's reflective of that is equally important. Um, yeah, so I think that's absolutely. I think all those pieces come into it, um, and it's it's it's, but it's a holistic approach. You know, right, it's not right. just like one thing. 
Tell me, um, what are you loving right now that you're that you're watching? What's uh, when you when you do? And I I I so feel what you know what you were saying about you're always whatever you're reading, whatever article, whatever book. It's like does someone have the option for this? What's the story? What, you know what's uh, but what you know whether it's feature films or streaming or reading, what is it that you're loving right now? Ooh, I have to say, so it's interesting. I am the mom of a nine month old baby girl. Oh my gosh! Congratulations! Thank you. So I think whatever little time I had has now become even less time. <laughs> I basically get from her bedtime to my bedtime, which is now super early to watch anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I can watch, I'm, I'm really loving, um, I'm really, what am I enjoying right now? Well, Heart to Heart is one of our shows. Okay. And I'm not this. It's literally one of my favorite shows. A, it's been one of my favorite shows for us to produce. Okay. It's also one of my favorite shows to watch. And I really encourage people to watch it because if you, like we mentioned, if you like hearing the stories of mm-hmm. their journeys, mm-hmm. the trajectories, it has been one of the biggest gifts to work on a project like that. Just the gems that are shared on that show. I mm-hmm. absolutely recommend it. It's binge worthy. It's actually something I would go back and watch like again and again. Like yep. some of the things have really stuck with me. Um, so in the new season just dropped that's streaming on Peacock. I'm loving um, the bear. <gasps> I love so the bear. It's so good. Oh my gosh. Have you watched the second season? I, I'm just starting the second season. I had to get caught up on the first season. Right. And I'm just about to, I just finished it. So now I'm about to start the second season. And I okay, can't. We have to talk again after, call me after you watch the second season. Okay. Because I'm telling you, and I am, I am not an expert. I mean, my whole world was film and theatrical exhibition, but the second season of The Bear is brilliant. I can't wait. It's such a good show. I'm like, everyone deserves a nomination. Right, right. Just the, I mean, I almost want to watch it again and just concentrate on the music. I mean, it's just, and yeah, I, yeah, it's, uh, and I wasn't, a, I wasn't an early, I had to be talked into the first season kind of halfway through. I was one of those really, it's a little manic for me. I'll... Yeah. 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 Okay. That's, I'm, I'm, my husband started it already and he's like, and he's from Chicago. So he's oh. like all in. Yeah. So I can't wait. Okay, we'll have to circle up on that one. Watching <laughs> that one. I'm watching Survival of the Thickest. Oh, I've heard that's good. Have you, I haven't started it. It's so She's cute. hilarious. I think that Michelle is just yeah. such a talent. She's such a phenomenal, just a great comedian, a, good, a great comedic actress as well. Like I just, I'm enjoying that. I think that's great. Yeah, she is and so fun. I, le- I met her, or le- not literally met her, but through, um, she's was a... Um, uh, she's always a guest on one of my like my, one of my murder podcasts that I listen oh, to. She's like a friend of the pod, and they started bringing her on, and she's hilarious, Michelle Bateau, oh, For anyone who doesn't know who we're talking about, but hilarious. Yeah, yeah, that's how I. I was like, I learned about her by the in the, such a roundabout way. Those are like my faves right now. Those are my faves. <laughs> Those are good ones. I try to catch in just like that whenever I can, but it's, I'm always late. I'm always like late. I always have to like catch up like two yeah. whenever yeah. I get like some, some me time. <laughs> right, right. No, but those are all good ones. I have, I have um, just recently learned to appreciate the 30 minute, uh, mm-hmm. the 30 minute show, the shorter yeah. podcast. I got really wrapped up in the, you know, I, I mean, I was listening to some of the podcasts that were an hour and a half long. One of my favorite movie ones starts getting, and I, now I've, I've really started to appreciate the little, the nuggets, the little, the nugget podcast, the nugget shows. That's what I call the, uh, like the yeah. bear and those that, you know, that, that less than 30 minutes, we can appreciate those now. And also it's, it's challenging. I think one of the things I learned when we did the first heart on uh, the first uh, Die Heart for Quibi that was a challenge for us because like you had to do the short form content yeah. and essentially you had to, everything needed to be a bit of a standalone. So like you had to make sure you had a great, you had to have cold open uh, every episode. It's That's hard, right? Well, especially for probably for Kevin too. He's used to having two and a half hours if he wants it. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a total pro, but it's, yeah, it's, it is, it was definitely a challenge. And so I learned that 22 minute format is, it's um, when you nail it, mm-hmm. I think that's volumes for the ones that do. And then if in business wise, what can you share with us that's, that's coming next to you? 
do you, um, I know, I mean, obviously I know you have a lot of projects that aren't specifically starring, you know, that Kevin isn't always in, but how, what are you guys, uh, what's, what's coming next? uh, Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think that people will be excited. Like we're doing a lot of docs. We're Mm. we're in the doc space. That's something that people maybe aren't as familiar with for us. Um, So that's something that's been a great one too. Um, and I don't know if everyone's like familiar of all the things that we do. Like Dave is a heartbeat. Oh yeah, show. Dave. I know. I, that's what I'm saying. The things that he's not yeah. in or in. Dave is fantastic. Yeah. There's quite a bit. There's quite a bit. And like that's that's an example of one that's just a great show. They're having a, they had a great season. And then also like our doc space. Um, we have our podcast. Um, if, anyone, if, if no one's familiar with that, they should definitely check it out. We've got some great ones like with Punky Johnson, who's another yeah. great comedian. So definitely a lot to tune into. I feel like the comedian, uh, the the comic world is just having such a moment these last. And I don't know if it was from the pandemic where people wanted to be lighthearted, but and and you know companies like yours that are championing you know all of these uh, these multi hyphenates. We we just did a, we did an interesting panel in New York, a dinner not too long ago, and it really was the topic kind of evolved to um, um, whether it was a, a an athlete or a singer or an actor becoming becoming so many more things that I hate the multi hyphenate, I guess, for the kind of the, the word, but it it is it's there's such an opportunity now, whether it's because of streaming or because of podcasts or mm-hmm. just to 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 do all of those different things. And I, I see you guys championing championing that a lot. But I feel that, yeah, comedians seem to be uh, breaking out of their breaking out of their shells these last few years. It's so interesting. I think I think there's a misconception often with comedy that it's easy. Oh, and I think I think that's part of I think that's part of the beauty and also part of the craft of it all, right? Mm-hmm. It's actually so hard. Mm-hmm. Like even when we get in scripts like trying to find a great comedic script is not e- there's just way less than you would imagine. Mm-hmm. Um but it's also I think that speaks to the accessibility of comedy in a way of helping to transcend culture language um it's a way of breaking down barriers and we've had a i think as a, as a society we've had a tough couple of years and i think yeah, yeah. like people are looking for levity in in different situations and i think that's something that we hope to bring to the table as a company mm-hmm. our projects um and i think also just as a genre that's why we're seeing so many of these great sort of comedic hybrid projects whether it's action comedy which we right. love that space or you know, whatever it is, romance, comedy, or all those different things, people want to feel good. Right. Right. Well, and even the, even the dramedy, you know, I, I feel like there's even that there's, there's nothing better than that, whether it's a, you know, a little sad or a little sweet, but that it has that comedic, you know, aspect to it because it feel, it just feels more real. I think it feels, it feels, you can, you can, you know, really tie to it better in your own life. And like, we all have to laugh a little through, you know, through the, through those things. And yeah, the, no, I feel like the, the comedy is somebody the other day, um, you know, was talking obviously about Barbie and Oppenheimer and, you know, Mission Impossible and all the, you know, all of that coming out at the same time and Mm -hmm. saying, you know, it's, it feels like it's a great message for society that, it can be an and you can love Oppenheimer and Mission Impossible and yes. Barbie and yeah. laugh and, you know, not, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be one of them. Then it spun off into an award season conversation and how, uh, you know, which that, yeah. I don't know if we'll ever evolve to comedies being appreciated for awards, but as a society, yeah, we, there's always, and why, you know, why not? why not why not right and that's and that if you love art and if you love film and tv you can you can love it all you can have you can have the chips and the chocolate cake you can have both (laughs) you can enjoy it all it's it's okay so going going back a little bit to your your personal story and and you know everything that you've shared has just been you know so so helpful and so interesting and i think you know for our listeners who who are 
I think kind of similar to what you described for, for women right now is, you know, a lot of people coming up, a lot of people starting, a lot of people, you know, changing careers, but listening yeah. and those tools in their tool belts, I'm, I'm hearing from you that education, educate yourself, whether it's a class, whether it's researching, but, yeah. um, and you know, what else, what else do you do for yourself? If you have a situation where you're feeling like you're, you know, you're, you're not quite prepared or you're, or you're just, you know, maybe it's just a crappy day or you're just tired. Mm -hmm. What are your kind of go-tos that you, um, that you shore yourself up a little bit mentally, physically, emotionally, intellectually? It's so funny. I just had a conversation with my husband about this yesterday. I'm like, this last year has been one of the most challenging years and also incredible years. And I feel like I've grown more in every aspect, whether that's like as a human, as a mother, as a partner, mm -hmm. as an executive, because you really do have to, um, you really, for myself, I have to sort of tap into different places mm -hmm. within myself, also learning to give yourself grace. Right. If you're not feeling great or having a crappy day, or maybe you feel like, you know, you're just not your eight. Like some days you're just like, I'm amazing. Other days you're like, eh. <laughs> eh. Um, I think having grace, um, having grace for yourself and being kind to yourself and understanding that you're allowed to feel all the things that you are feeling and, and that's all valid. And you kind of have to let that flow through you. And this is something that I, I'm like, I'm actively working on because it, it's a, a new dynamic mm -hmm. and um, you know, there's a lot of demands when you're in different positions. I think like the higher up you go, regardless if you're an executive or producer or writer, director, you're going to have those demands don't stop. And, and that's okay. But I think it's also being a lot more mindful of time management. Mm. Sometimes I give myself that time to just like allow myself time to watch a show. Like, you right, know, right. it's like, you really have to make sure you're prioritizing those aspects for yourself because they also feed who you are. They mm -hmm. feed your create. You have to be feeding your creative spirit. You have to be feeding your your health, your mental health, all the things. Um, I've really tried to make time on weekends to go. And luckily, I have a partner, my husband, who is also into a lot of these things. So we'll go to exhibits and festivals and like farmers markets and like things like that they may sound very simple but they all give you some sort of creative juice or energy right, right. well and, and being with other people i think that's such a nice being outdoors even or being with other people yeah. i feel like yeah we get so caught up in if if I'm not my not feeling 100%, then I get under the covers, or you know, or in in really that almost that being in society or being you know in a communal I guess experience with with yeah. somebody with in with other creatives or, or like minded is really nice. Yeah, you almost have to push yourself. So I think to your point, sometimes mm -hmm. the the natural inclination is to sort of like retreat when you're not feeling great. Um, myself included, sometimes I'm like, yeah, I'm going to stay in, da, da, da. but honestly right. going for a drive, yeah. going to, going for a drive to see a neighborhood that you might like, or maybe someplace in nature or by the mm -hmm. beach or um, things like that, just kind of getting outside, getting around people. It's just nice. And also it's been really cool. Cause like having our baby also, I feel like that's been also inspiration to like, I want to make sure she's seeing all the things. Right. Right. I like, she won't remember it, but it's still like, I like her to like, See it. Look at the trees. Look at right, the ocean. Right. And yeah, you're very, right. You know, sometimes just a walk is uh, yeah. is nice. And honestly, that that sort of has for like it's forced and sort of encouraged me to like get outside. Because when you're busy, it's so easy to be like, I got to go here. I have to be there. I'm in a DoorDash. Right. I'm going to a restaurant. Now it's like, oh, let's go for a walk. Right. Right. You know. My dogs are also thankful. Yeah, I use mine as an excuse, like, oh, I don't want to do that today. I don't want to go for a run. I don't want to. And I look at my dog and I'm like, okay, I'll feel the guilt will over the guilt will override the not wanting to go out. Oh, they want those walks. When they right. feel for a walk, they're excited. We have three dogs. So it's a... Uh, it's a very uh, active house. I was going to say, you guys have a whole outing if you leave the house. Then. <laughs> it's like always a thing. It's like, it's like, does the one seat have a, what well, does the one dog have a booster seat? Cause she's really small. Like, oh. <laughs> then the other ones are really big. It's like a whole thing. 
That's funny. Well, Candace, I can't, but we're already out of time. We've been talking for an hour. I can't believe this, but it has been so nice to meet you. And you have just shared your story, your, your, I mean, the message I, I take away from, from our talk, especially for our listeners is, you know, knowledge, 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 and, and, you know, what, however, so many different ways, giving yourself, uh, giving yourself knowledge and educating yourself, which is just, you know, such a great message and so empowering. And so thank you for joining us. And, and I definitely want to talk after, uh, after you watch the bear. I would love that. I would love that. This was this has been phenomenal. I feel like we could have talked for a whole other hour. I this know. I know. There's so much, but thank you for all the great things that that you're doing. You know, for women in your company and for you personally, we will continue to um, to keep up on on women right now on our on our newsletter and and following what you guys are doing. But thank you for your time. I appreciate oh, it. Thank you for having me. I hope the storm isn't too. No, crazy. it's. Uh, I think it's passed a little bit now. I I had a couple of uh, where I was like oh are we going to but i are um i think underground wiring and all that helps so uh, mm -hmm. we don't we don't lose power very often but so yeah. smart yeah thank so all right thank you have a great rest of your day you too all right if you enjoyed this episode subscribe and leave a review on spotify and apple podcast to stay up to date with in her words join the conversation by following women in entertainment on our social channels and subscribe to our weekly newsletter at womeninentertainment.com